Julia. How are you? I'm great, thanks. We're going to Germany. We're off to Germany. We are. Great. And you've been? I've had a little bit of a flirtation with Germany and ah. I spent um, about a week sort of exploring Berlin on my own, which yes. was great. Really, really good. Amazing, amazing city. Amazing city, but I, I guess I'm a child of the Cold War, so I yes. grew up through that time of a you know separated city and that I just was really fascinated by that for a long time. And I, I remember a, a schoolmate of mine um, missed a week of school at the end of school holidays because he was in um, Germany visiting some family friends and went across to the eastern side of Berlin through Checkpoint Charlie and just remember him describing that to me and thinking that was just about the most fascinating thing I can imagine. So um, I visited but long after the Berlin Wall came down. But e- even still, you know, that sense of the, the Cold War and that time was still present and uh, it's, amazing. It's the interesting thing about Berlin when you go there because that's very apparent. You're, yeah. you're, you're aware of it and you can, you can actually stand with one foot either side yeah. where the wall used to run and it does actually send um, not to minimise the effect a shiver up your spine to think what was going on that it went up so quickly that people were caught unexpectedly yeah. but Berlin beyond that has that that history attached to it but it's so exciting as a new city as well isn't it those the area that was that used to be just uh, land and no one was there is now that very exciting modern part of Germany, where in fact I was at the Christmas markets there. Right. And they're pretty damn good in Germany, let me tell you, the Christmas markets in Berlin. Christmas markets are really, really popular at the moment with um, travellers, Australian travellers to Europe. It's a, um, you know, I, I see Christmas markets everywhere in any brochure I pick up, for example. And well, but so and what, you know what? what? Oh, like? uh, look, well, um, I did a lot of, I travelled to a lot of Christmas markets around Europe when we were going to the one in Berlin. And the terrible, terrible thing that happens is that when you're going around the markets, particularly at night, because it's cold, you can buy Glühwein, hot red wine. This sounds which is terrible. just the mm. most amazing thing. And it's sort of mm. the equivalent of $2 for a mug of Glühwein. Mm-hmm. If you pay $2.50... You get to keep the mug, and the mugs are sort of gorgeous souvenirs of that particular Christmas market. Yeah. So I thought, oh, you know what, I'll just do that. Now, I've got something like 25 (laughs) damn Christmas mugs in my cupboard at home that I never do anything with, and they weigh a freaking ton to get back to Australia. Yeah, I hope you had some excess luggage allowance on your flight home. Well, you know, the ladies I was travelling with at the time, because the, the, the decorations were so extraordinary, would... Why this uh, way to carry extra Christmas decorations, I don't know. They were ditching their underpants, their knickers, their bras, getting rid of their underwear so that they could put more Christmas decorations Priorities. in their in their luggage. I just think that at the end of those trips, the husbands must have been having the best time, <laughs> yeah, thanking right. Christmas decorations like they never had before. However. Um, so are they just quickly, those Christmas markets, are they a, a nighttime thing or are they during the oh, day? Look, or are they n- just- nighttime is the most beautiful time mm. to be there because the lights are just extraordinary and you can I cannot imagine that there can be as many Christmas decorations in the world as right. there are at those Christmas markets. They are thrilling and delightful and very crowded. And are they yes. literally a market to buy yes. gifts for Christmas? Or is no, it no, Christmas, you go and eat and drink and – Christmas decorations oh, primarily. Okay, terrific. Um, and the, the, the breadth of design of Christmas decorations is spellbinding. Wow. Even more so when you've had three glue <laughs> Yes. So recommend it? 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But but Germany um, itself is is very beautiful. You haven't been to other parts. Oh, very briefly into and out of Munich quite quickly. But I did, yes. it's funny, another childhood memory of um, watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. And that I think that was filmed in and around Munich. And I just remember looking at that equally and thinking that's one of the most, um, I, you know, I couldn't imagine a place uh, more fairy tale like than that. It's particularly the Glockenspiel, <laughs> the Gorgeous clock in the Marienplatz in in the centre of Munich that right. at particular hours of the day it opens up and comes out and it just plays and there's little dancing things and it's wonderful. You would have been nice. equally spellbound by that like the Christmas decorations. Wow. But, of course, Munich, did you go to any of the Hofbro House to have the huge steins of beer? No, and I'm yet to attend an Oktoberfest. So. Mm, ben, that's got to be on the bucket list. Yeah, it's on there. Yeah, it's a it long is list, Julia. Um, we went to a couple of those, and and if you're not a big beer drinker, you've got this tank of, <laughs> of, of, of frothing German beer in your hand. I couldn't do it. I had to buy a little souvenir um, tankard, and even that I had to do in three mouthfuls. Right. But you have to congratulate those women who it's carry six and eight and ten human. of them at time. Yes. yes. Big-chested women, <laughs> which you can easily tell when you're in those Hofbro house. Right. Wonderful, wonderful, warm, exciting places. Have you been to an Oktoberfest or just into a, an no, environment like that? No, I just into an environment like that yeah. and, and many of them as they abound across Germany. Sounds but, like a lot of fun. Um, I've been to some lovely places in Germany and one of the most exquisite things that um, – I can remember experiencing was the Romantic Strasse, the mm-hmm. Romantic Road, which is over near Heidelberg. Right. And there's some 350 kilometres of gorgeous little towns. Oh, wow. Uh, because you have to, the, the, the architecture, the buildings in Germany are so very beautiful. Mm. So there's places like Nordlingen, if I can remember them, and Dinkesbühl, I think, is another. Um, and uh, r- right at the very end is Rottenburg, which mm-hmm. is just such a beautiful little place. Uh, but the other interesting thing about those small towns, and in fact, indeed, when you're anywhere in Germany, the language gets you, and I could never understand why places were called rat houses <laughs> till I learned that the rat house is… Well, from my high school German, I think it's the town hall. It is the yeah, town hall. Yeah, so I'm thinking, you know, places are just with rats running everywhere, don't go anywhere near the rat house. No, it's the main building in town. Terrific. Such a fabulous word because it's rat house, not rat house, yes. isn't it? Yes. And they are uh, beautiful, some of those buildings, aren't they? They're very ornate oh. and grand and the architecture is stunning. I, th- I think the thing about Germany is, uh, G- Germany is it's, it's incredibly beautiful like that. I mean, the, not only the buildings, but in when we were in Heidelberg, there's the Schloss there, the Heidelberg Castle. And, of course, Heidelberg's also very famous for the 14th century university that's been there since then. But mm-hmm. it's the Schloss is high up on a, a sort of cliff face and you just look over this exquisite scenery down onto the river and all those beautiful buildings that we were talking about. And the gorgeous greenery that, that abounds in Europe. It is such a stunning country mm. because, of course, it has the river. The river's running through it as well. So it's got some of the great rivers, doesn't it? Some mm-hmm. of the great rivers. Mm. And, of course, road trips along the rivers are very special. If, if you were to return, what, what parts of it do you think that you would like to visit and why? Um, I, I think I would like to um, revisit 
Bavaria get down in and around yes. Munich and um, really sample some of those fantastic German beers and that Bavarian food, which I'm I'm thinking is lots of Wurst, lots of sausages. Hey, now and, let's um, talk about the food for a little yeah. minute. So German food, sausages predominantly, is that is that fair to say? Well, I th- look, it's probably a bit of a cliche. It must be more diverse than that. Um, but it is a real staple, right? Yes, and and of course, any- oh, and, and, you know, pork knuckles and lots of those beautiful hunks of slow cooked meat and schnitzels, and there's a bit of a meat thing going on there. I'd and say. and <clears throat> slaw, cold, all the slaws, or- slaws and the sauerkrauts, yes. and those kind of fermented um, foods are terrific. Really. Lovely. You you have to make sure what you are ordering though, because if you do go anything that that I'm I'm just trying to think what the word for pork in German is, you have to make sure that you do not get pig knuckles on your plate if that's not what you're after, <laughs> right. but you just like a straight pork belly, for example. Delicious. Yes. I'm a bit interested in the fact that curry wurst, curry sausage is a thing for the Germans. Like have you had a curry a currywurst? I haven't had a currywurst, no. Yeah, it's effectively a, a sausage with, I think, like a, a curry sauce, quite spicy, and an excellent thing, I imagine, with a beer. Now, can can we just move on from the sausage? Because mm-hmm. a good German sausage is a great thing. Mm-hmm. What about German desserts? What about uh, Black Forest cake? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Schwarzwald Kirschtorte. Listen yeah. to you. No, you, you yeah. Are you just a German speaker and you've only ever been to Berlin? Yeah, als ich noch in der Hochschule war, lernte ich Deutsch. Aber jetzt habe ich fast uh, alles vergessen, ja. <laughs> <laughs> Who would know what you're saying, Ben? And whether That's all I can remember. <laughs> whether it's pass me the pencil, please, which was what we used to learn in French, wasn't it? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so that's what, in fact, question for you, mm-hmm. why is it that you speak German and you haven't been to more places over there, given uh, that the language is so strong it was and a, language was lang- Languages were offered at the school I went to and I really enjoyed doing them. So, yeah, I did some HSC German, HSC French as well. And, and I, I recall... <laughs> um, your Italian when we were talking it was terrible, about it wasn't was just it? lousy. Yes, <laughs> yes, your mispronunciation. Paninis was shocking. And oh, yes. Sorry That's about right. That. Canty and Anyway, we won't go back mm. there. What but about you? Know, Would you? Is there any part of Germany you'd like to revisit? Um, you know, all those beautiful places. Uh, I think I think driving in Germany is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, road tours, in in fact, proper. Coach tours would yep. be terrific as well because you would be going to those special places. Um, visiting the rivers, the river towns would be extraordinary. But I think the scenery of Germany when you when you go through those country areas because there's there's so many high ridges, cliffs, mountain areas that the scenery is breathtaking. Mm. The large cities, um, I think their modernity is the thing that's – Pretty exciting these days, you know. The, well, the German sense the, of modern design is very strong, uh, isn't it? And the Germans really know how to party. So if you <laughs> find those areas in those in those places, you're really having a very good time. Yeah. You know, Germany is amazing. There are so many beautiful parts of it, and of course, it borders pretty much many of the European mm. countries. So you can go in and out as you choose. Um, we haven't even begun to talk about the wine in Germany yet, which is just splendid and yeah, special. Right. I mean, there's much more than beer, obviously, in, in yes. Germany. And um, I don't know about you, but I think of, um, I guess I think of Rieslings and Moselles when I think of German wines. But um, we probably need to. But um, is that a German wine too? That just just a fabulous one. You know what? I think a really good thing to do is to have our German wine expert join expert, us. For sure. Yes. So that we can find out what we should be drinking when we're going down the Romantic Strasse or looking at the Glockenspiel. Brilliant idea. Or what are you doing in Germany? Sitting Speak outside the Rathaus. Right 
Now we're very excited to be talking to Annette Hartle, who is the Marketing Manager of Tourism Munich. So we're going to be right in the heart of one of the most important parts of Germany. How are you, Annette? And welcome. I'm a little bit excited to talk to you now. We're excited to have you aboard. Now, what I'd like to start with is when we're talking about Germany, Annette, we often hear people mentioning Bavaria. And there are more states in Germany than just Bavaria. Why is that the one that we keep on having described to us? Maybe there is also a little bit of a difference between the people that live in Bavaria and the people from the northern part of Germany. Um, because um, here the people, we say in, in, a, in German, we say they have some Gemütlichkeit, which is a German word that describes some kind of coziness. So people here are a little bit more laid back and relaxed. And I think for tourists who travel around the world, um, this is something nice to experience, not only the country Bavaria, the state Bavaria, but also the people are a little bit more laid back here. I just would like a little history for everybody listening, a short history of Mm -hmm. Munich um, and yeah. and why it is such a special city in Germany? Okay, well, Munich um, is founded in the year 1158, so it's about yeah 861 years old, so quite old. Um, as said, it is the capital of the state Bavaria, which is the largest state in Germany and the most southern state of Germany, very close to um, to the mountain range. Well, the the royal family, the name of the royal family is Wittelsbach family. They ruled over 700 years here in Munich and Bavaria. And maybe that's a big advantage Munich has because the heritage of the royal family, what they built and what they um, made here in the city can be seen all over the city as well as the Bavarian countryside. So um, also... After the World War, where many, many palaces and many sites were destroyed, um, the, um, the Munich government decided um, to rebuild everything. So we have no um, modern um, modern city, but a, a, a rebuilt city. So they took the role of it, how it looked before. So I think that is something that the... Um, city is itself looked um, has a very heritage or very old face Are I they, would say and I think that's nice for the tourists and gives that deep warmth that you were talking about with the people now just on the people at the moment the culture and the people there what when we when we arrive in Munich or Bavaria generally what what are we going mm-hmm. to feel um, what you go to, go to feel well um, as I said um, the gemütlichkeit, the coziness is here all over. So um, what I would recommend if you come here to the city and want to feel how, see how Munich feels like, then just go in one of the beer gardens. I think that's one of the um, most, the places which you feel Munich most. <laughs> um, we have beer gardens all over the city and um um, this is something very special. You share um, the tables and the, the benches with other people. There are no reservations or anything. So it might be that a banker sits next to um, 
someone working in an, I don't know in a, in a like all kinds of people come to come together at a table and and drink beer and um, this is a very special atmosphere here you can feel the coziness um, really really strong so you don't actually need to be there for Oktoberfest to get a sense of the fact that that community spirit that comes together with beer how wonderful exists across the city yeah no you don't have to you, you can experience that really the the whole year round not only um, to Oktoberfest yeah so we've we've been talking a bit about how we get around countries and we talk about by yes. road um, and by coach tour which we think is very important so when we come into Bavaria uh, or when we come into Munich what are the two days events that we should do if that's the only time that we have? Okay, if you only have two days, of course, it always depends which um, um, time of the year it is when you come to, to Germany because beer gardens are closed in, in the winter times. But um, despite of beer gardens, of course, you should definitely come to Marienplatz, to um, the heart of Munich, the pedestrian zone. Um, at Marienplatz, you see the old town hall and the new town hall, which are nice buildings. You definitely should walk from Marienplatz. There is about five minutes walk to our Fictualien market, which is a large food and beverage market with some little stalls where you can buy um, fruit, vegetables, um, meat, specialities, cheese, and it's just nice, even if you don't want to buy anything, just to stroll around the markets and have a look there. So this is something you should definitely not miss. But also, um, you should go to the Nymphenburg Palace. Um, I think that's one of the most beautiful palaces of the royal family. Um it is a summer residence with a large garden, so you can really, really um, have at least one and a half hour um, stroll uh, through that garden too. Um, you can do a, um, you can see everything inside in the palace, which is um, from the bedrooms to the living rooms where they celebrated the festival. So that's really, really nice. And of course, BMW. Um, also, one thing you should not miss: you, you all know the automotive brand BMW. The B means Bavaria, so Bavaria Motor Works is founded in Munich, and that's why we have the BMW Museum as well as the BMW Welt um, in Munich. The BMW Welt is like a big showroom very exclusive one it's free of entrance so you can walk in um, check the latest bmw cars and also if you want to see the whole history of the brand you can go in the museum and see the old bmw cars so this is also something you should do opposite of the bmw uh, museum and world is the olympic garden and the olympic park where the Olympic Summer Games in the year 1972 took um, place. So also something you should not miss. Here you can see the Olympic Stadium and the sport venues and also can stroll around the park and garden. Um, yeah, this is something you should not miss. And when you have enough time, you can also go to the Allianz Arena Soccer Stadium, 
where this is the home of our soccer club FC Bayern Munich. And you can have a guided tour through the stadium and see where the wardrobes of the players and also the FC Bayern Museum is inside the Allianz Arena. So also something, if you're interested in soccer, you can go there and have a look there. And um, next to those sites I just mentioned, we have numerous um, museums in the city, which are really, really great. More wonderful things in Munich. Um, Tell us about, Mm -hmm. again, what two days, not very long there, what should we be eating? The beer gardens, for instance, one of the most beautiful beer gardens is in the so-called English Garden, which is one of the largest um, parks of the world. It's larger than uh, the Central Park and larger than the Hyde Park in London and larger than the Central Park in New York. It has an own beer garden in the so-called English Garden and or two beer gardens. And uh, this is something very beautiful where you can walk through that garden, um, drink some coffee or beer and have some stops. Um, something I would recommend. And also, of course, as mentioned, the restaurants. We have many beer halls, of course, as the, um, he, we have here many uh, breweries in the city. Um, so you can have the beer halls and uh, experience Bavarian food. But we also have many star-rated restaurants in the city um, where you have also some fine dining. So what um, should we so order? That We're counting on you to tell us what to order in it. <laughs> well, um, it, it depends. If you're not a vegetarian, it's also always a little bit better if you go to a beer hall because um, most of the dishes are with meat. And um, the pork nuggets, I would say, and dumplings are a, um, a, a classic. Um, if you go to, to one of the beer halls, also... Um, the schnitzel is, I think, um, a very famous thing you eat here. And um, so everything with pork and beef um, are mostly traditional traditional dishes. Um, German but sausages. Of course, if you go to the sausages, yes. But in Munich, we actually have only one sausage, the white sausage, which really comes from Munich. And the white sausage is a breakfast. So it's a very special thing. You eat it before 12 o'clock. So it says if the sausage here, the bell of the church of 12 o'clock noon, then it's not good anymore because there was no refrigerator in former years. So they needed to eat that sausage very, very early. And it goes, of course, with a bretel, which is a famous bread here in um, Munich, uh, some mustard, and of course, a white beer. So you have to drink it, have to drink a beer with it. And as that, a breakfast. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I think it's a, a wonderful destination for Australians with so much beer there. I think they're going to stay for longer <laughs> than two days. I'm going to ask you your three top tips for traveling there. And, and mm-hmm. I'm going to also would like you to tell us about the public transport. The public transportation is very good here in Munich. Uh, we have the U-Bahn and the S-Bahn system here, the trains and buses and also trams. 
Um, for tourists, it's nice to take the trams because um, you see something and there are, some of them are a little bit more older than uh, you can have really historic um, city tours with a tram. So I would definitely recommend to take one of those trams through, through the city. Um, but Munich also had many, many bike paths here. 1,200 kilometers of bike paths here in the city, bike lines. So it's very nice to travel um, through the city with the bike. And accommodation, Annette, what types of accommodation can should we book? Can we expect? Is it very broad and... and uh, mm-hmm. Well, our kind of um, accommodation, of course, you usually find in a city. We have some little hotels and pensions. We have the five-star hotels in the city. We have, of course, bed and breakfast. We have also hostels. Um, we um, so actually everything you um, you expect when you go to a city. Maybe something special if you don't want to stay directly in the city. Um, if you go a little bit more in the countryside, um, we have some farmhouses that offers also a bed and breakfast, which is kind of nice if you want to to stay a little bit more outside um, at the countryside. But as said, every every accommodation you expect from a city is here in Munich. And, and so then to your three top tips. Well, the top tips like for me are Marineplatz and Victorian Market. Um, I would definitely recommend to go the Nymphenburg Palace, uh, definitely. And maybe one very personal tip is the Museum um, of Urban and Contemporary Art, which is also downtown in the inner city, um, a museum that shows some street art and also has a wonderful restaurant. Um, so this is really the three top tips from my side. Annette, thank you very much. Yes. It's been wonderful to talk thank to you. Thank you. Now, Ben, you and I have been to Germany a little bit, but mm-hmm. we cannot talk about Germany without visiting Berlin, Absolutely. the capital city. And uh, I'm delighted to say that here with us today, talking about this fascinating place, is Ralf Ostendorf, who is the marketing director for Visit Berlin. Could we get any better? Ralf, hello and welcome to the show. Well, hello to Australia from beautiful, sunny Berlin. We would love to be there again because we've been before, but we want to hear from you about what we should put on our list next time we visit and what anybody coming to Berlin should put on their list. We would love to be there again because we've been before, but we'd, we'd, we want to hear from you. Many travellers who come to Germany, they have a certain expectation of what Germany is like, you know, typical, conservative, hardworking people, no fun, close, shops close at 6 o'clock in the <laughs> evening. But really Berlin is a lot different than the rest of Germany. That, of course, is due to the fact that uh, Germany was divided for quite a while, that Berlin was divided for quite a while. And that means that Berlin has really developed in a quite different way. So that means that especially after um, the reunification of Germany, this year we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall, means that Berlin really is today one of the hot spots in Europe. When we arrive in, in Berlin... Um, getting around, is it a city that you should drive yourself around or is it a city that no. you should walk or take public transport? No. And is it true that you can do a cycle tour? 
Actually, um, I always say, wherever you are in the world, try to use all your senses to explore a city, sit, smell, taste. And if you sit in the tour bus, that, of course, is possible right now. We have already six companies who are offering this typical top on and off tour. It, it's very good to do it for the first time with you in a city. But then, of course, it's much nicer to walk. Take a bike right now. Um, you can take a bike to the right for 40, 50 kilometers. Mm. Within the city, it's quite easy. We have um, many sharing systems, bike sharing systems. Now it's the big uh, thing is the e-scooter sharing. So there are many options, even from hotels, who are offering that opportunity. And if you drive through the park, stop at a nice bar, nice cafe, you get a totally different perception of the city. And being summer right now, it's obviously super warm. What do the locals do to cool off? Where do they where do they swim? And are we in the middle of a sort of festival season? What's happening sort of culturally? We basically have like 1,800 events going on every day. So Berlin really is a bustling event city, and that is also thanks to the fact that we don't have any official closing hours like uh, other German cities. But of course, especially during the summertime, there are a lot of outdoor festivals, um, but there is open-air cinema, there's open-air concerts, classical open-air concerts during the summertime. So there are hundreds of thousands of things that you can do every day. Berliners, of course, love to relax. Uh, at the rivers, as I said earlier, that Berlin is full of waterways. Actually, we have more uh, bridges than Venice. So you can go on the water. We have many forests. It's green. Also, it takes only uh, with public transportation because you ask for that only maybe 30, 40 minutes to get outside of the city. There you also have many lakes, rivers that you can enjoy. Uh, moving around within the city uh, with public transportation is also a very good thing to do. Uh, because um, S-Bahn, the, the metro, the buses, everything is well connected. So you basically do not need a car to get around. Just enjoy yourself. Have a drink somewhere. We have, by the way, the best cocktail bar. Of now, we are getting to that right now, Ralph. Um, we love to talk about food and drink on this show. What, mm-hmm. So we're, you're going to tell us about the best cocktail bar in Berlin or even in the world, but you also need to tell us what, what we should be eating in Berlin and where, and that is at beer halls or cafes or restaurants, but please start with the cocktail bar. There are many, many good options, and that is also thanks to the fact that, again, many young people came to Berlin and they can just do whatever they like to do because also renting a shop, renting a bar is simply affordable compared to other parts of the world. So you have a great variety of good cocktail bars and also restaurants. I always say, turn the globe, stop and say, okay, what country is that? Oh, it's Mongolia. What kind of food do they have in Mongolia? Let's see what where I can find a restaurant in Berlin where they have Mongolian food and you will find it. Wow. And that means it, 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 it's very, very, it's very, very international, not only because it was divided, but you have the influence from so many countries of the world, so you can basically find anything from fusion, vegan, sushi, whatever you would like there. Berlin really is so international. Just to get the experience of it, I guess beer halls are just part and parcel of everything else that you've just mentioned, and they're just one thing because it is such a cosmopolitan, wonderful place that they're not necessarily outstanding beyond anything else, or should we just make sure we get to one? Sometimes, uh, if it comes to food, it's always really nice to just try the local food. Yes. Uh, we have a big trend also, even though we are not Thailand, uh, we have street food. We have many of the distributed market halls in various parts of the city where you will find small food stalls 
where you can taste also from tofu to the typical Berlin currywurst, which is basically the dish everyone knows when they come to Berlin and they want fast food. So try more to go local. Berlin is made up like like Paris in 12 different districts. And each district has this very special food places and bars, restaurants where you really can enjoy. Get also the local Berlin taste, you know, the pork knuckles, the, the, the typical Berlin liver with the mashed potatoes that you also can find all over the place. We talk about on this program a lot that when you are travelling, you have moments that things that are absolutely outstandingly special and take your breath away. If you were to find a moment in Berlin, what would it be? Where would it be? I would say just to experience uh, what's happening around Brandenburg Gate. Brandenburg Gate being the symbol of reunification, yes. uh, being the symbol of Berlin as the city of freedom. There are some parking park benches where you can just sit. Go there maybe even at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yes. Just sit and see how the day starts and things develop. I always love wherever I travel just to sit somewhere, watch heads, watch people. And this really is quite a unique experience. Really in the city center, very close to, um, to our parliament, where you can really get a real feeling what Berlin is like. I have to say, having been there myself, it was a moment just to stand and look at it and understand what it represented, what it suggested. And it is actually a beautiful structure as well. So I think you're right. Go to the Brandenburg Gate for that moment. Ralph, thank you very much for your time. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And we hope to visit Berlin very soon again. Okay. Take care. Have a good day. Good to have you back, Paul. Paul Diamond from Selector Magazine, which is part of Wine Selectors, who knows everything there is to know about wine around the world. And today we're going to be talking about Germany, Paul. Mm, good to be back with you guys. Yes, Germany is one of the world's most beautiful wine countries, that's for sure. It's 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 an ancient wine um, world. All the grapes that, that, that are now flourishing in Germany were were brought there by the Romans way back when, um, and it's it's such a beautiful place. Um, so the Romans brought the recipe across, and then the Germans grew the grapes. Is that how it worked? Yeah, well, I mean, the, pretty much everywhere that the, that the Romans came up through France and up through up through the, the continent, they they took you know, great cuttings with them to be able to not just, you know, produce wine to, to drink, but also to sustain the soldiers. So um, in terms of, you know, the, the cultivation of those vines, the German people would have been um, very much linked into that. Some of them would have been paid to do it. Some of them might have even been slaves at some stage. But as the Roman Empire fell, the, you know, the Germans certainly took that ball and ran with it um, in terms of particularly getting um, you know the, the right types of, of varieties in the right place and that's so important when it comes to the best wine or choosing the, the best wines from these places and so I mean it's it's a it's a pretty easy place to kind of navigate because most of the great wines of Germany are white there are a couple of reds um, Pinot Noir mostly and they call it um, they don't call it Pinot Noir they, they, they call it something else um, but generally, it, it's really all about those aromatic white wines. So from the very treasured slopes of the Mosul Valley, um, certainly east 
um, along the Rhine and even further east as you get towards Alsace, the, those sort of aromatic white wines dominate and they are absolutely beautiful. So what are the names that are famous like Riesling? Is that is that uh, a German wine? Uh, are they just famous, famous names that we just use all the time that we don't even know uh, uh, originated in Germany? No, you're absolutely right. Riesling is is you know the, the country's fam- most famous white variety. It certainly is a variety that has found um, it's 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 most revered. That's for sure. Um, it, there's also a few other white varieties that it produces that are really worth looking at. Um, one is um, Pinot Gris. Now, you would know um, Pinot Grigio from Italy. It's actually the same grape variety, just made in a different style. So the Germanic style of that variety, Pinot Gris, is a lot more textural. There's a lot more, um, I guess, depth there as well. And they're just, they're just so exotic. You'll also start to see um, varieties like Muller Thurgau. It's a bit of a workhorse variety. It's usually blended with Riesling. You don't generally see that written on the label because the Germans don't do that. It's about the place, not the, the variety. Um, but you'll also start to see Tramina, Gewürz Tramina, um, Pinot Blanc. They're just perfect for the food that they produce. They can be really light, dry and crisp, but they can also be, you know, have a little bit more body and even towards those sweeter um, sort of ice wines that they produce that are very, very expensive. Two questions. So why do they use French words when they're German wines, like Pinot Gris and Pinot Blanc? Um, that's a good question. I, I actually probably think that these 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 sort of original grape variety terms, you know, themselves have been morphed and, and moved as our language has evolved and changed. So Riesling, you know, I, I, I don't know whether it's a French or a German word. I, I certainly, you know, Pinot Gris, simply I think it, it is a mixture of the language of German and French. I mean, it's so... Everything's so organic and moves across the borders there. It's, you know, everybody speaks English, but, you know, pretty much everyone speaks French and German. So um, I don't know that they place such a, a, a big distinction on that. Um, it just is what it is. And um, the country becomes very, very cold in winter. Uh, is, is it always essential to, to chill the white wines from there before drinking them or is it just customary that we do so here? It's customary that we do so here. I mean, these wines, if you were drinking these wines in winter, um, you know, certainly I think that they're refrigerated from a commercial perspective. If you walked into a bar or to a restaurant, you know, refrigeration, that's that would exist. But, you know, you can certainly try these wines with a little bit of sort of atmospheric chill on them. I mean, when whenever you judge wines, particularly aromatic wines, it should be at room temperature because cold can mask, um, uh, you know, t- um, aromas and, and certainly faults. So, trying them at room temperature or even a little below that is is a good thing. So I know some people when you go to, particularly the Rhine, and you taste reasons there at cellar door, they taste them at room temperature. If you buy a bottle, it'll come out of a fridge. And the other question: If you do want a red wine, what do you do in Germany? Um, well, I mean, a lot like anywhere in Europe, you, you know, they don't just sell German wines in Germany. You will find lots and lots of red wine from France. If you do want a German 
red wine. The the most generic that you're going to be fine is called a Spat Burgunder. It's basically German Pinot Noir. Um, and as the planet is starting to warm up, Pinot Noir from these really cold areas is really starting to gain um, gain traction um, because as it's getting warmer, these grape varieties are lending themselves to these to these temperatures and climates. So they're starting to really gain notoriety, particularly from Alsace and particularly um, from the Mosul. Now let's just get back to temperature and thank you for that. That's okay. Uh, we Australians always need to chill everything and make it very cold. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, our expression is a cold beer. Mm. You can't go to Germany without drinking beer. Mm. Talk to us about beer over there. Does it need to be cold? How many varieties are there? Do you really need to put your head in one of those big schooners brought to you <laughs> by a waitress who's carrying eight of them at once with the biggest boobs you've ever seen in your entire life? Mm. Tell us about the beer. Yeah, well, it, the beers aren't as confronting as, as that scene that you've just painted for <laughs> us. But um, I think that beer, like wine in Germany, is so stitched into every part of their lives. So it, it, it's difficult to answer how many types of beers. There are many, many different styles. There are some beers that are very much like the English to be drunk at room temperatures, sort of those heavier stout styles. Um but the, you know, German wheat beers and those blonde beers, you, you certainly need them to be chilled to be as refreshing as you want. Um, look again, when you're in Germany, I, just just drink something local, drink something interesting because you're going to come across stuff that you've you know you've never tasted before, and ultimately that's what travel's all about. Really opening up your world to these these new and interesting things, and there are certainly there's so much really interesting um, beers in Germany as well as wines and food generally i mean it, it really is quite amazing um we have this vision of german food and and wine culture in australia that is nowhere near what it's what the reality is like um it's so just amazing last thing then um in terms of europe yes. where where do yes. you rate germany for wine oh it's certainly up there i mean it in terms of you know rieslings and those aromatic styles the no country does it better. There are certain parts of the Moselle um, that are some of the most revered and most unique vineyards in the world, um, and the wines that come from there are so beautiful, um, and they last for a very, very long time. Some of those, you know, really special single vineyard wines that um, come from those parts of the Moselle are some of the most beautiful white wines in the world, hands down. Now, sadly, in Australia, we have this view of Riesling, and it's generally born out of the, you know, the wine culture from the 80s and 90s, where we, we wanted to make our white wines slightly sweeter because we just weren't a drinking culture that embraced, um, you know, those very crazy wines. But a lot of people in Australia made, um, made Riesling and Traminers and called them Riesling and they were quite sweet. So our perception of this very delicate, beautiful white variety was some was somewhat sullied by the overall perception of what Riesling is and everybody knows Black Tower, Blue Nun, all of those wines sadly gave Riesling a bad reputation. But if it, Riesling in, in all its glory is a most beautiful, wonderful, pristine, pure thing, and it's just a joy to, to try. And they're great. They're, they're fantastic with food. They're generally lower in alcohol, um, and you can buy them pretty reasonably, and they will age beautifully. 
Paul Diamond, thank you for giving us a whole newfound respect for German wines, particularly Riesling because you're right. There's a bit of a hangover. Mm. But now I'm going to feel very wine sophisticated when I order my Riesling. And the cool thing is about it that, that you know, if you are a wine lover, you, you can't not have Germany on your list. Um, but also in Australia, we make we have some of the best you know Riesling vineyards in the world producing beautiful beautiful wines and there's and they're not expensive they're just they're just amazing we're very blessed here thank you enormously for that we look forward to speaking Pleasure. to you again indeed talk soon thank you paul diamond from selector which is part of wine selectors gosh that was good julia germany what did you think uh, isn't it a colourful place? So textured with so many different things. You, when we talk about Germany, you just think maybe of, of the Oktoberfest and, and Munich particularly and maybe now Berlin, which is very, very exciting and the place that everyone says to go to. But don't you just want to go to as many parts of Germany as you can? And that whole new thing about beer, I'm not a beer drinker, mm-hmm. but I think next time I go to Germany, that's what I'm going to do because it's so essentially their part of the world. But, you know, I'm also going to say road tours, coach tours through that country will just take your breath away. Yeah, and such a great way to get around as well. And, yes. Um, it's, um, it's such a long way to travel, so making sure that you make good use of your time on the ground there is really, really essential. And, look, an organised tour can do that for you. Take away a lot of the hassle of having to think on the run or make your own way from the train station to the hotel. And you are fun. going to talk German again as we leave, I know, because that's your one. Off you go. Geil, ausgezeichnet, Julia. <laughs> so you make it up. I know you do. I do, yeah. <laughs> See you next time, Ben.